a confession. Whenever I get an, an Evite, uh, electronic invitation for those who haven't yet bought a computer, I often will look to see who else has been invited to the party. You know, they ha- it has that, that feature where you can see the, the list of invitees. It's a, it's a perk with an electronic invitation that you don't get with the old-fashioned paper ones. And you can also see who has accepted the invitation, who has declined the invitation. When I get a paper invitation in the mail, I'm often left to ponder, well, who else might be coming to this party? I may ask around, discreetly, of course, but that can only get you so far. But with the Evite, all I have to do is scroll down to the invited guests and see And I will know immediately, is this going to be a party where I know people or will will they all be strangers to me? Will there be lots of awkward silence or good conversation? Is this gathering likely to get a little rowdy or will it stay decent and in order? Sometimes on the Evite, that feature gets turned off. And when it is, I'm immediately suspicious of the hosts. Who is it that they have invited that they do not want me to know about? Something's fishy with this party. Of course, I never stop to think that it may be they don't want anyone to know the pastor has been invited. (laughs) You know how it goes with parties like this. It's always a little anxious before you go. You just never quite know what you're going to get. Jesus has been invited to a nice party on the Sabbath at the home of a Pharisee. And even though by this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus has distinguished himself as an atrocious dinner guest. Absolutely atrocious. He's always causing trouble at the table. But they've invited him anyway. And Luke tells us why they invited him early on. They were watching him closely. It's that kind of party. They were watching him closely. But it turns out Jesus was also watching them. And in Luke's gospel, we know by now that the table becomes a place where Jesus causes trouble. It's a place he teaches about and embodies the kingdom that he announces has drawn near. A table is never really just a table in the Gospels. It's a place where, if we have eyes to see, the heavenly banquet is set for us, and we have the opportunity to eat of the bread of life and drink from the cup of salvation. That's the table in Luke. And just like the tables around which we gather, there are manners that apply at the kingdom table. Now, we're all familiar with the manners that apply at our own tables, some more than others. I've mentioned to y'all many times before about I had a particular kind of grandmother who had a a list of, of manners, table manners, that had to be observed at her table at all times. You never pick up a utensil or take a bite until the hostess or the host has done so or invited you to do so. 
to this day, if we're in a restaurant and food comes to me earlier than other people at the table, they can say, please go ahead and eat till the cows come home, till the next morning. And the place will close and I will not do so because I can feel the stare of my grandmother from that heavenly table saying those unforgettable words, remember your manners. You always ask someone if they can hand you something. Please and thank you. You pass a football, you hand your food. You never ever reach over someone to get anything from the table. That will earn you a slap on the wrist. One hand in your lap with your napkin and the other with the fork or spoon. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. I never quite knew what age it was a person had to be to get this honorific, so I said it to everyone. Except there was this one day I was eating at my grandmother's house, round the table, circular table, and it was summertime and we were having lunch, just my grandmother, my brother, and me, and a woman named Nellie. She was there too. She was a black woman who came to my grandmother's house once a week to clean. On this day, she was doing the quarterly polishing of the silver while we ate at the table. While we ate, she polished. She did not eat with us. I know now that it was probably because she was not invited to eat with us. And she was the only adult ever in my grandmother's house that I did not have to address as ma'am or sir. Though she was every bit as old as my grandmother. My brother and I, ten and seven respectively at the time, just called her Nellie. You know how it is at the table, right? I know now that there were manners and customs and ways at work there that my grandmother accepted without question. There at the table, you were known by the way you behaved and the company you kept. There were some lines that just were not crossed. If you were to ask my grandmother if she cared about Nellie, who worked in that house for well over 30 years, she would have said that she did deeply. But to invite her to sit down and have lunch? Absolutely not. They were watching Jesus, and Jesus is watching them. And when it's time to sit at the table, the jockeying begins You know how it is at a party. Everyone's concerned with the seating chart. Some parties, they give you that chart ahead of time. You you don't get a choice, but some parties you kind of have to pick for yourself and proximity to the host or hostess is, is the name of the game. Everyone's concerned with where they're going to sit. And Jesus observes the behavior, and when the dust settles a bit, he shares what... Seems like a bit of folk wisdom. Luke calls it a parable, but it's the kind of thing a wise relative might share with you before you go to the party. If you just, just hang back, don't make a fool of yourself by trying to get to the best table. Just, just hang back and the host will notice you and will see that you, 
you're far too modest for your station in life, and now you can move on up. But if you try to get to that good table, then the host may look at you and ask that shameful question, who do you think you are? And you have to go on back and you will be ashamed. You know how it is. It's good wisdom. Now you can see the wheels turning, everybody at the party. It won't be long before everybody will be trying to get to the last place at the table. Farther away. Please, you go ahead of me. No, no, I insist. Feigning humility. But Jesus decides to put all of that to rest as well. He turns to the host and says loud enough for everyone to hear, when you give a big party like this, instead of inviting only the people who can pay you back, only those who share your status or your, your race or your income, Try inviting those who cannot do anything for you in return. Try inviting the lame and the blind and the poor. These folks can't possibly pay you back. Then you will be truly blessed. And I have to wonder what the silence sounded like in the room, you know, when he said that. He's just not a very good guest, always causing trouble. The people may have wondered, well, who would do such a thing? You can only imagine such a world when that kind of thing would happen, which is precisely the point. Parables are intended to shock or tease our imaginations into an active awareness of the nearness of the kingdom and a call to follow it no matter how out of step it might be for the world. Imagine a world the parable invites us, filled with people who are so captured by grace and so filled with gratitude that they in turn give and give and give without counting the cost or calculating the payback. Imagine a world where the people who get invited to the very best parties are the people who need a good meal and warm hospitality. Imagine a world where striving ceases and the mad rush to succeed at all costs comes to a halt and where true greatness is assigned to those who serve. Imagine a world where your Lord and your host serves you. Jesus is not calling here for Christians to provide for the needs of the poor and the disabled. No, he says, invite them to dinner. Invite them to dinner. This is the New Testament's understanding of hospitality. That Greek word translated here as hospitality, the, the Greek word is, means love of a stranger. That's hospitality, love of a stranger. In the end, the parable invites us to think about who the real host is at this party we call church. Jesus addresses the host, to be sure, but the parable imagines a world where Jesus is the host. And if Jesus is the host, we are all of us guests. We are dependent, and we are needy, and we are blind and lame, and we are all in need of grace, all in need of this hospitality we are guests even in our own homes. We are guests 
especially in our own church. We are all of us guests of grace. Jesus delivers a painful and freeing grace to those Pharisees who are watching him so closely and to us. We did not create the world. We are guests here. So there are table manners, it turns out, and then there are kingdom table manners. I remember a Wednesday Night Live many years ago now where when Kim, our director of Christian education, many of you will remember this, she decided we are going to mix up the seating chart, kind of like Jesus would do, right? We were going to sit at our birthday table. Everybody sits at their own birthday table. Your table companions, the ones who will be handing you the bread, the ones with whom you would be sharing conversation for the next 30 minutes or so, were not determined by age or gender or whether you were parents of young children or retired seniors. You could not select only the people who knew you well. You could not save a seat for your best friend. Only people who shared your birth month, a random collection of humans, could sit at the table with you. And you, you know how that went. Some low-level grumbling ensued. A few people tried to openly subvert the plan. I saw people who did not look like October people sitting at the October table. Some were game. It was kind of like getting one of those old-fashioned invites to dinner where the, you had the RSVP sight unseen and you take what you get. Well, I don't know about the other tables, but the July table, that was my table, that night was a pure delight. That's kind of normal for July people, but there were people talking to other people who had only introduced themselves to each other moments before. Young children without their parents to kind of hide behind, made conversation with senior adults five times their age. Friendships were sparked, some of which continue. The table, that kingdom table, got just a little bit, a little bit wider. But it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't decided to be just a little bit uncomfortable, right? And you know what's the real grace of Room in the Inn at FPC? Back before the pandemic, when we were doing it every Wednesday night, hosting uh, people who were experiencing homelessness in Wilson Hall in the winter months. You know what made that night special and what caused all of those guests to choose our church any chance they got? We were by far one of the favorite stops. It was because we decided early on, 17 years ago now, that if we were going to have guests with us, we were going to eat alongside them. That our community would be opened wide enough to break bread with strangers in the hope and prayer that those strangers might feel the warmth and hospitality of Christ's welcome and might become friends. And by God's grace, the table, the kingdom table, got just a little bit wider at FPC. So yes, we do. We still live in a world where people scan the Evite to see who's going to be there and who's not. Where some are welcomed and some sit off to the side and 
polish the silver. Or some can afford the table and some cannot. But in the parable, we catch a glimpse of another world, a different world, the real world of the kingdom that has drawn near in Jesus Christ a table as generous and as wide as God's grace. And sometimes that parable comes to life in our midst when we dare to set the table and say, all are welcome and mean it, and mean it. So friends, when you leave this place, everywhere you go, Christ has set the kingdom table in your midst. Let us, all of us, remember our manners. Amen.